You're listening to ADHD Diversified, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, MJ, a Canadian-born Asian with ADHD. Here on ADHD Diversified, we're not just sharing stories, we're diversifying the voices, the experiences, and the way we share those stories. We know ADHD is not defined by skin color, ethnic background, or where we are on the globe. But how we navigate with our ADHD, if it gets recognized at all, can be determined by our environments, upbringing, and culture, especially in underrepresented communities. It's not just about awareness, it's about opening the conversation and turning awareness into acceptance. Because no matter who we are or where we are from, we are all allowed to ADHD in the unique ways that we do. Well, transitions are hard, so enough with the intro and let's jump in. All right, we're finally here. The first episode. Huzzah! Anyway, you might be asking yourself, what's this Asian girl in Canada doing making a podcast about ADHD? It's a long story, but to keep it short, I have ADHD. Severe combined type ADHD. And that's it. Okay, okay, no, 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 just kidding. It's it's not just that. I'm a high school dropout and a first time college dropout. So for me, a visibly Asian woman who was born and raised in Canada, I was expected to fit the stereotype, or the model minority as it were. You know, a quiet, obedient, overachiever, and just be normal. Whatever normal means. Nope, I am I'm just not any of the above. It's like, when I was born, I came with the wrong instruction manual or something, or maybe there wasn't one, I don't know. Anyway. I've wanted to do a podcast for a while. It's probably been a couple of years, but I didn't really have a reason. And if I did, it wasn't a good one. So it wasn't until I was diagnosed with ADHD that the light bulb finally turned on. Everything made sense. My life just made sense, finally. And I was like, man, I I gotta talk about this. But the diagnosis alone wasn't enough to actually get me started, though ADHD probably does explain why I couldn't finish anything I started if I managed to start anything at all. You know, that long, long list of big ideas that you say you'll work on later, then later turns into never. Yeah, that. So like any curious brain, I did a lot of research. I probably had way too many tabs open at the time, and actually that hasn't changed a whole lot, so moving on. Um, Yeah, when it was first brought up that I just might have ADHD, thanks to my partner, um, I didn't really believe that I could have it. The only reason why he brought it up was because I kept forgetting to put lids on things and left the cupboard doors open. I mean, okay, sure, why not? Fine. Um, Oddly enough, that did lead me to getting diagnosed. And it's been good. But as I kept on doing more and more research, I found that there still aren't a lot of resources out there for people who look like me who have ADHD. Even now, I'm still trying to figure out where I fit into all of this. Acceptance was and still is a long road, and it can be 
really grueling at times. But at the very least, ADHD became the answer to the burning question I'd been asking myself for years, which was, what is wrong with me? It's not an uncommon question that I've heard. Um, I've heard a lot of other ADHDers say they ask themselves the same thing. It was kind of nice not to feel so alone in that because, yeah, it, it really stuck with me for a long time. Unfortunately, in my experience and with so many other ADHDers that I found in the greater Asian community, mental health was not up for discussion, let alone a discussion about ADHD. Because in some Asian languages, there aren't actually any words to speak up about it or even describe what's happening or what someone's feeling. Basically, there's certain terminology and vocabulary that doesn't exist for that, other than like maybe calling somebody crazy, which isn't helpful. So for me at least, um, I never heard about it. We didn't talk about it. No one in my community brought it up. So yeah, naturally no one talked about it, ever. Well, I want to talk about it and I want to open up the conversation. Because navigating through 30 years not knowing about my own neurodiversity made me feel like I was flawed. At the time, I didn't have any sort of understanding that everyone's brain is wired differently and that my brain was no exception. A brain is a brain is a brain. Sure, it was a bit of a running joke in my teens and my early 20s that I could have ADHD, but it was just a joke, right? I didn't take it seriously. But when the time came when, you know, I might have wanted to consider an assessment for ADHD, I went through that checklist over and over. Just, you know, the basic stuff. Easily distracted, check. Fidgeting, check. Feelings of internal restlessness, check. Talking, interrupting, or blurting out things, oh yeah, check. Procrastination, uh, check. And, oh, what's that? Right, um, check. <laughs> so, looking back, the signs were clearly there, but if there's anything I know I've been good at, it's probably denial. But why would I say that? Why was I so closed off from the idea that I could have been the owner of an ADHD brain? That's a really loaded question for me, so I'm just gonna cut right to it. Being visibly Asian comes with a stereotype. It follows us, and to some people, it defines us. Or, well, I know some people think it's supposed to define us. <coughs> Not. And when we don't meet those expectations or those standards or whatever, which I did not, um, you know, we end up being left in the aftermath of shame because we, we don't fit. We don't match the stereotype. Yeah, there is a lot of shame around that. And let me tell you, I, I miss the mark. Not missed, miss. I'm sure if I were a boy growing up and not have been a person of color, maybe there would have been a higher chance of getting recognized. Instead, I was left to my own devices. I was hyperactive, fidgety, disruptive. I didn't follow instructions, like 
put up your hand to answer a question? No, why would I do that if I'm gonna lose a thought seconds later? I might as well get it out now. I'm not the only one that does that, right? Eh. Okay, so other than that, take this for example. When I was in elementary school, my teachers had their creative ways of dealing with me, I guess. The, the typical ADHD boys were usually sent to the office even after, you know, three or four lectures or getting yelled at, or they would just end up in detention. Now, if I was the one, you know, being a brat or causing a ruckus, um, what they would tell me is, oh, honey, I forgot something in the principal's office. Can you go get it? I always got really excited because it was like, you know, I'm, I'm going on an adventure. Yay, I get to get out of the classroom, yay. I didn't tell my teachers that, but it was exciting for me. So every single time I was more than happy to duck out of the classroom. Well, go to the office? Nah, that didn't happen right away. Again, following instructions, I couldn't follow that either apparently because yeah, I just, I never went straight to the office. I'd like wander the halls and skip a couple laps. Even the librarian wasn't surprised to see me stumble in after a while. It happened often enough. She'd be like, oh, you're here again. Where are you off to? So I'd tell her that I was going to the office or sometimes going back to the classroom. And she'd let me peruse the books for a little bit and off I went again. Oops. I mean, eventually I'd end up where I needed to be. But it was kind of confusing though because I never actually brought anything back for the teachers. But again, I guess that's just how my teachers dealt with me. You know, let hyper little MJ run the halls and burn off some steam. Secret, it didn't help that much. So even though I was quirky and kind of annoying, I imagine daydreamy and pretty interruptive, I was a smart kid, and I was a good student. When junior high and high school came, I was a mess. I couldn't keep up. It really, it just, it just sucked. It, I, di I didn't have a good time. Looking back, again, it just makes so much sense. Yeah, the hyperactivity went down by then, mostly, um, but my executive functions, or their lack of, were pretty strongly reflected in my report cards. It's not uncommon either from what I've heard. So these are the things that I saw in my report card. Um, participates in class, doesn't hand in assignments, does well on tests and exams, missing homework, has potential, would do better if they just applied themselves. So to my translation, lazy. Not an awesome feeling to walk around with when you can't pinpoint why things are just so difficult. It's not like I wasn't trying. I was. And if pretty much everyone else could get by then, I could too, right? But that ADHD brain of mine, unbeknownst to me, played a really big part in that. So again, I was not the stereotypical Asian. Actually, I became labeled pretty quickly as a terrible Asian. Yeah, that's a thing too. Bad at math? Homework not done? What do you mean you can't help me with my homework? 
uh, even my teachers agreed. Yeah, it sucked. I wanted to get help. I knew I needed help, but I didn't really know how to find it. I didn't even know how to ask for it. And when I finally did ask for some kind of help, it got thrown in my face. Aren't you supposed to be able to help? Or if you just did the work, you'd be fine. Okay, whatever. I guess I'll just do it. Nope, that didn't happen either. Even the thought or a slight mention of wanting help, any help, especially from somebody who looked like me who's supposed to be an overachiever and keep quiet, be obedient and not speak up, there was just so much shame around that. It was really hard to deal with. You know, there were comments like, you really aren't like the other Asian students, are you? Ugh. Great, more shame, thanks. Eventually, I just stopped reaching out and speaking up because it made me look flawed or faulty or something. And it wasn't just shameful for me. I worked really hard to make sure that I appeared at least half as normal as my peers. You know, the whole fitting in thing. Because Particularly among Asian families and stuff, any kind of shame can extend to the rest of the household, the rest of the family, and then that family as a whole can get shamed by the community. There's a certain standard almost that needs to be kept among an inner circle. So looking for help, especially professional help, and even more so like mental health support is generally viewed as some kind of character weakness or a flaw in someone's upbringing. And if it's a kid or a teen, well, then that reflects badly on the parents. So even if someone is seeking mental health support or is, say, taking their child for some kind of external support, again, a lot of effort can go into keeping that quiet. There are people out there, even people I know, who won't tell their families whether it's their parents, maybe their spouse, their children, or all of the above. Speaking up back then was not an option. And today, the silence continues. And suffering in silence sucks. What better way to not bring any embarrassment or shame other than to stay silent? Unfortunately, it really is the only option some people have because... The worst case scenario involves losing their family or even their community. But hey, at least everyone else is happy, right? And we get to fit the mold for a little bit longer. Meh. Not a good time. Honestly, it, it didn't surprise me at all when I heard that in the United States alone, Asian Americans are three times less likely to look for support in their mental health compared to any other racial or ethnic group. And in Canada, Asian immigrants, including South Asian and Southeast Asian, were also less likely to use any kind of mental health service. So, for someone who looks like me, very visibly Asian, let alone an Asian woman, there weren't resources out there tailored for people who look like me. And even though I'm a different generation than, say, my parents or my aunts and uncles who did immigrate to North America, they didn't talk about it, so we didn't talk about it. And we weren't supposed to talk about it. That's why I want to open up the conversation. 
when I was a teen, I felt like I was crazy. There was so much shame around not being as, I guess, able as my Asian peers were. A lot of us didn't even go to the same school, but it still managed to get out that I just wasn't doing as well as, say, the kids of the folks in my immediate community or something. Like, we had an inner circle, and that's who I grew up with, and I was nothing like them. Whatever. I knew I wasn't crazy, but I knew there was just something. Time and time again, I just, I heard the same thing. Come on, MJ, why can't you just do this like this person? If you were more like that person, or that person's kid, you'd be fine. Again, I just knew I didn't function the way it seemed like everybody else could. Things just seemed so easy for my friends, and I couldn't keep up with any of them. And the skills I did have, even today, well, they weren't considered important or useful. Again, same thing today. Some of the skills that I had, they were just weird. So I held back on those things for a really long time and just kept on trying to fit the mold. Just keep quiet. Just be obedient. Just be normal. God, that's so boring. And it was so draining to keep trying to fit in that I seriously just gave up. I couldn't take it anymore. Just, I couldn't, I wasn't going to have it. I mean, again, I'm a high school dropout. I went to college, but I even dropped out of that too. Yeah, I went the second time and I graduated, but still, it's not like I ended up in a university or anything like that. It's not even close to the bar of my friends who did go to, uh, to university. That just wasn't me. And I couldn't imagine myself going to university anyway, so I didn't. Guilt wouldn't make me go, and my transcript sure as heck wouldn't let allow me in, so yeah, I felt incapable. I felt stupid. Because even when I did try, I couldn't make the mark. I just couldn't make it. And if I actually did something that was semi-normal or quote-unquote good, it was met with almost a sarcastic surprise. It was more like, oh, you actually did that? Ugh, not helpful at all. It was like anything I did do right was just a joke or like it was some kind of fluke. Maybe I was a fluke. At the time, that's what I thought. But now I know, I'm not. I wasn't supposed to have ADHD. I wasn't supposed to talk about mental health. But at this point, who cares about supposed to? I used to be convinced that it's not that I came with the wrong instruction manual, but that I was just defective. Now I've come to really love my ADHD brain. There are plenty of strengths that come with the uniqueness of how my brain works, creative problem solving, having interesting ideas, constantly being curious, thinking outside the box, and not even realizing a box is there? Yeah, whatever. But yeah, other than that, things are still pretty difficult to do. Like, pick up that sock that's been sitting on the shelf for too long, and don't ask me why there's a sock there. And there are still days where my brain just 
doesn't want to function. It doesn't want to work with me. And I got to tell myself, come on, brain, let's get it together. But that's the difference. It's not that I'm not trying. And it's not that I can or cannot do something. It's that I need to work with my brain, with the brain that I have, and accept that some days are going to be better than others. And whichever way it goes, I don't have to talk to myself like I'm flawed or stupid or dumb or defective. Having ADHD doesn't make us bad people. It doesn't make us lazy people, and it doesn't make us less than. It also doesn't mean that just because we might do well in one area doesn't mean we don't or won't struggle in another. It really shouldn't negate the internal struggles that we have. And just because I look different, just because I don't fit the ADHD stereotype or even the Asian stereotype, again, a brain is a brain is a brain. And this ADHD brain just so happens to be a part of this body, my body. And I'm not gonna have any shame in that. So, for now, I'll leave you with this. No matter who you are, where you're from, what you look like, or how your ADHD presents, you are not alone. The conversation is open, and there's a lot more to come. Remember, there is diversity in neurodiversity, and we'll see you next time. Hey friends, it's MJ again. We've come to the end of today's show, but if you're still here, thanks for hanging out today. Head over to our website to find show notes and resources for today's episode. And if you have a unique ADHD story you'd like to share, head over to adhddiversified.ca and fill out the form at the bottom of the page. There, you'll also find the other podcasts that are on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network, ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers, ADHD Essentials with Brendan Mahan, and Hacking Your ADHD with Will Kerb. Oh, and there's another new addition to the Rewired Podcast Network too. Check out the ADHD-friendly lifestyle with Moira Mabin. You can find it all at ADHDdiversified.ca. Remember, ADHD is not defined by skin color, ethnic background, or where we are on the globe. We all have a story. We all have a voice. And no matter where we are, we can come together to share our unique experiences. Let's keep the conversation going because there is diversity in neurodiversity. Thanks again for being on this journey with me and we'll see you next time.